to the Thrive Podcast. I'm Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. In this podcast, I'll share all we've learned about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. I'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Hello, my peoples. What's shaking? This is a bit of an odd week because it's Easter week and Anzac week and it means my usual routine has been thrown in the toilet, which is fine because I spent the morning today doing a bit of planning for the week, writing out my new to-do list and yeah, I have, I don't know, this one of my mentors, I do know, I should say, one of my mentors has talked me through this process in terms of setting priorities, time management, to-do lists, all the things, which I felt like I have struggled with for 38 years, although that's not true. I don't know if when I was about two years old I cared (laughs) to do this, but it's something I feel like I've tried so many different iterations of to-do lists and time blocking and categorizing days and email inbox management and all of the things. But here we are. But a few weeks ago, a mentor of mine showed us how to do a to-do list and time block it across your entire week. And I tell you what, people, it makes you feel like a freaking rock star. It does take some time and energy, but this feeling of being in control of my priorities, understanding what's truly important to me, so much goodness. I can't even tell you how much goodness. So much goodness. So if you're interested, let me know. More than happy to talk you guys through how I have kind of changed my planning, changed my to-do lists. Um, If anybody cares, let me know. Happy to share. So you can follow me on Instagram at littlebirdbloom. Send me a text, send me a DM, whatever the fancy language is. Comment on one of the posts, whatever. You can submit a idea through thrivepodcast.co. Just contact me there as well and I shall respond accordingly. And all of that, I wanted to talk a little bit today about this idea of success. And it is such an incredibly loaded word. And one of my favoritest Instagram followers messaged me the other day and asked, can you be successful in the industry if you don't like doing weddings? And she goes on and talks a little bit about how she's feeling. But I think this question is such an important and a good question to be asking. And I feel like I shall share a few stories with you guys. I know hand on heart. When I first started on this journey five years ago, I assumed, thought, put pressure on myself to say, weddings are the end all be all. All of the, in quotes, famous people in Australia who are, in quotes, famous on Instagram, do weddings and they do beautiful weddings and they're lovely and they're elegant. And I remember my first few weddings, I was like, I don't know about this. This like stressful, emotional people having to deal with family dynamics and not necessarily having the budgets that I wanted or even knew I wanted or even knew I needed, more importantly, doing 
basically making things on the demand of the client. So a lot has changed in five years. Like it's like a whole other business and I absolutely wish share as much as I can with you guys in terms of speeding up the process so you can get there and possibly, hopefully, avoiding a lot of the major potholes that I went through and sank into <laughs> over the process. But it's such a good journey. So here I am today and she asked this question and I just thought, oh my God, this is such a good, it's so loaded in so many different ways because you can read into it as much as you want to. First of all, I do want to tell you guys on a very functional level, absolutely 100%, you can set a business up that has very little to do with weddings. If you don't want to give up your weekends, if you don't want to deal with a lot of the emotional instability, there are a lot of other ways you can be involved in the industry without it having to revolve around weddings. Remember, if you want to go out and create your own business, you get to set your rules. You get to decide what products or services you offer. More importantly, I think you get to decide what you do not offer. And there is a quote that floats around in the universe and I so wish I had looked it up before I hit record, but alas. I am fairly certain it is from my good friend Tim Ferriss who talks about the definition of being an expert and it goes something like you are allowed, I am going to give you permission, you are entitled to define yourself as an expert as long as you know 20% more than the next person. You can define yourself as an expert as long as you know 20% more than the next person. His quote says something along those lines. I know it's from his podcast and it's probably from about 1500 years ago, but that's okay. Hopefully it's fairly accurate, but I, that thought has stuck with me forever. So back when I used to work in corporate land, and in particular, I remember being surrounded by many, 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 many egotistical men who liked to wield their power and demonstrate their authority and I, yeah, I just think back, oh, if only I was this person now in that situation. But I also know if I was this person now in that situation, I would not be sitting here. So we are all blessed and grateful for this. The fact that I am not that person anymore and I am sitting here. It doesn't even make sense, but that's okay. That you are allowed to position yourself as an expert if you know 20% more than the next person. 100%. I wouldn't necessarily go out there and consider yourself to be an expert in rocket science if you have never studied rocket science and you don't know more than the next person about rocket science, right? I am not going to consider myself an expert in rocket science. I've never studied rocket science. I have seen, oh, at least like two dozen films on, you know, discovering the moon, NASA, Neil Armstrong, all the people, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys I know much about rocket science. I know it's complicated. I know they have lots of like safe checks. I know they spend lots of money on it. All the things. That's all I know about it, right? But I'm not an expert on rocket science. I am absolutely an expert on marketing, sales, websites, search engine optimization, client management, production checklists, making recipes, making money, banking, don't quite know if I'd consider myself an expert on taxes, but I know a lot more than the next person does. 
uh, human resource management, staffing, hiring, firing, retail shop management, flowers, flower care, ceiling installations, how to wrap a bouquet, how to make an Anzac wreath, how to communicate to customers that you closed for the weekend. <laughs> so many things, so many things. So this whole idea of you consider yourself an expert if you know 20% more than the next person. I want you to think about the idea, think about the option of going out there and putting on workshops, putting on training, teaching other people how to bring flowers into their life, right? We live in an area where many, many, many people are blessed and have worked their butts off or have purchased from other people beautiful homes with gardens. And these gardens are filled with abundant roses, camellias, hydrangeas. Some of them have Australian natives in them, but a lot of kind of English country garden cottagey flowers. If these people knew how to pick ingredients from their garden and put them together in a vase, if they knew the mechanics in terms of cheats in how to you know, use their favorite vase, which has a really weird opening at the top, they would pay money for that experience. We have a lady that comes into the shop and I keep asking her to remind us and keep coming in and keep nagging us because she really wants us to put workshops on for kind of kids between the ages of like seven and 10 to do some sort of flower making something or other. Right? So that's just on our list of things to consider for the future. This whole world of educating and teaching other people about flowers and the things that you have learned, particularly if you have been to workshops, if you have been to flower school, if you've been to any sort of formal or informal training, don't underestimate the value and the expertise that you bring to the table. Right? So in this world, if I was back in advertising agency land, I would be putting on presentations to our clients about this, is, this thing called the experience economy. Google it. It's a thing that marketing people came up with to get paid a lot of money so that people at advertising agencies go around and do presentations on it. But this whole idea of the experience economy and turning floral design into an experience that's more accessible to more people. Don't be afraid to jump on the bandwagon of the experience economy and present your own floral experience to people, right? Sit down and brainstorm. You know how I love a good journaling session. Set the timer, grab a mug of tea. 30 minutes. Here's your question. If weddings are not your thing, how else could you be involved in the floral industry? There are so many opportunities. You could, let us think for mm, a minute. I'm gonna come up with a few ideas for 60 seconds. Go. So, you can grow flowers. You could work at a flower farm. You could create vessels. You could be a ceramics artist. You could work at a wholesaler. You could work at a wholesale sundry business. You could work at a floral business. You can start your own floral design business. You could deliver daily flowers to people. You could create a home studio and deliver daily flowers to people. You could create a bouquet of the week and have that as your delivery to people. You could focus on corporate events. You could focus on a specific sector within the wedding business. You could focus on a specific kind of wedding. You could focus on small scale, come to my flower studio and pick everything up weddings. You could focus on DIY 
weddings. You could focus on education training. You could focus on teaching people how to make their own wedding flowers. You could focus on how to make flower crowns. You could focus on so many different things. I've gone more than a minute, but you get the idea, right? If you spend some time and energy Googling, brainstorming, thinking about all the different ways you could be involved in the industry, don't underestimate the power of that session. 100%. It is so easy. I am a person who fell into this trap. It is so easy to follow all the big blogs, all the big famous photographers and wedding floral designers and think that is the end-all be-all. That is success. Wrong. So wrong. And today, the point of today's podcast is I wanted to talk to you about this idea of getting in touch and defining your own version of success. And I have so many thoughts and ideas because this is something that I have really dug into for myself in the past definitely five years. And I feel like every month that goes by, I dig even deeper and deeper into it. And I have gone through the exercise of creating vision boards, words for myself for the year. I am a total self-help junkie. And I want to talk you guys through today four exercises, four ideally journaling exercises, but don't be afraid to just sit down and ponder these questions. Four exercises to think about defining your own version of success. I absolutely, when I was 16 years old, my version of success was highly educated, very well paid, fancy dressed, beautiful hair, looked sophisticated, looked fancy, went to restaurants, lived in a cute little apartment, had a good enough car. Most most of all, though, it was getting paid a lot of money. Oh, and I would say my job title was also very important to me when I was 16 to the age of probably 29. That was very important to me. I set myself on a career path to achieve all of those things. I knew that was my version of success. Once I achieved getting paid a bucket of money, having fancy shoes, having a spray tan, having fancy nails, having the best hair straightener, blonde highlights, fancy glasses, pretty fancy title, pretty nice office, all the gadgets, and a half decent car, I then went, okay, well now what? Like once I achieved that version of success, it really then actually forced me to think outside the box. And one of the things I am so forever grateful for is feeling empowered enough to change my mind around my own version of success. So I want to share the same thing with you guys. I want you to know that you can define success however you want to define success. I now look to the people who are in their like 60s in particular, late 50s, early 60s, who are in quotes retired. I now look at that as my new version of success. And in particular, I look to my stepmom and my dad because they are so driven by the freedom of their time. Right? They are so driven by knowing they have the financial freedom to live the life that they want. They are very conservative with their money. They're not necessarily out spending willy-nilly, but I also know my dad has a bit of a budget every month to buy a thing that he just simply wants to buy. Whether that's a new television, an Apple Watch, a new drill, 
I don't know, whatever, right? Like fancy tree to put in the front yard, a dog, <laughs> a new sweater, a new jacket, a pair of skis, whatever. I also know that my dad every month has a budget to do just that, like to buy a thing because my dad loves things. So he's going to buy a thing and he has a budget for it. But he also knows he's not necessarily going to budget to go traveling 360 days of the year. Because what is important to him is to make sure he has the money to live the life that he wants to live and to have the freedom of his time. And that is something that's really driving me in the past 18 months is really looking at how I want to spend my days, how I want to spend my weeks, how I want to spend my years so that I can have the feeling that he has in his retirement. So the whole point of that little story is to say your version of success can change over time. So don't feel like going through any of these exercises that you have to know right at this moment in time, ooh, that's my version of success and I have to stick with that for the next 127,000 million years. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. You can change your version of success 90 days from now, 180 days from now. Something in your life may happen to you in a good or a bad way that may make you wake up the next day and completely shift your mindset. That is something that happens very often when something tragic happens, something traumatic happens. Somebody close to you might get diagnosed with a disease. Somebody might witness a car accident. Somebody might, you know, end up on some scary adventure. It's very possible that that's going to open your eyes and make you want to shift your mindset. This is a silly story, but there is a young man who I want to say is 37 years old, and he was a famous golfer. He was diagnosed with cancer in his early 20s, went into remission, then still turned pro playing golf. He died late in 2018, and he was my age. And that is something, I have no idea who this guy was. I didn't even know about him until someone told me about him. But he is somebody who really stuck in my mind where I was like, I could be dead. <laughs> and I don't want to get depressed, but it's those experiences where you can absolutely open your eyes and change your mind. Right? I don't think I ever would have imagined that I live in a very small town. I very much love the days where I don't ever have to go into town and see other people. And I want to just stay in my hut. I love those days. That is my version of success, is what can I do to never leave the house? <laughs> and it sounds so lame, and I don't care if you hate it, but it's my version of success, right? So this is what I wanna help you guys get to at the end of these exercises. So the first, I'm just gonna reiterate that you can absolutely change your mind, and you can combine these exercises together, you can pick one and really dive deep into it, but I want to give you guys the permission to think about your own version of success. You can absolutely be positive, positively or negatively influenced by social media, by the news, by TV, by movies that you watch, all the things. So I don't watch The Great Housewives of Atlanta or The Great Housewives of Orange County or The Great Housewives of whatever. So there are lots of things I am not affected by simply because I just don't watch those shows. If you love those shows and you want to be influenced in a positive way to achieve the life that they have, go for it. You have my permission. Your life, your dreams, your version of success. So here we go. Four exercises to help you define your own version of success. Exercise number one is 
write out and dive deep into what an ideal day looks like for you. Now, you could do an ideal day, an ideal week, even an ideal month. If you want to, feel free to go for an ideal year. This one, I think, takes quite a bit of time because I want you to kind of dream up and write out what comes to the surface initially and then go deeper, right? Really go deep into what you feel like you want your ideal day, week, month, year to look like. I was even thinking yesterday, we went out to play golf for the first time in forever and Yeah, five years ago, I want to say, we went to Hawaii. It's going to sound like other people's nightmare. This is my version of fun. We went to Hawaii for two and a half, three weeks and played golf almost every single day. It was amazing. And I had a flashback of that experience and realized I look back on that holiday, on that golf extravaganza with so much love and admiration, A, for the fact that we did it because it was very indulgent, but B... Wondering what was it about that holiday that I loved so much? And I realized one of the things for me was really putting the emphasis on some of the things that I would consider like small decisions in the day, but turning them into decisions that I really wanted to dwell over. And I mean that in the most positive way possible. If I could, if I wanted to, although I'm not really in that season anymore, but at the time of going on that holiday, I loved thinking about what was for dinner, what we were going to make for dinner, particularly like those challenges when you're traveling. We had our own kitchen when you're traveling, but you know, okay, we're going to get on an airplane in 48 hours. So how can I use this food? How can I like make sure we use up the most of this food possible and have to buy the least amount of ingredients, but still make a super tasty meal. I love that challenge. I love that challenge of, okay, I only have, I have two more days to get through this. What can I put together? How can I put this puzzle together to make a tasty meal? And really dwell on it and experiment and think about it. Do a little bit of research on like, what can you do with leftover red pepper and carrots? (laughs) It's weird, but things like that. Like, I feel like there's definitely a recurring theme here of things I really enjoy are things that retired people do. Things that your grandparents spend time on are things I want to be spending time on. So obviously recurring theme for Kathleen. But think back to some of those experiences that you have that you think back so fondly about. And what is it about that experience that really sits with you? You know, what's the why behind it? Why was that day so perfect for you? Was it because you had, you know, a clear budget to work with? Was it because it was sunny out? Was it because you were with certain people? Was it because you had complete freedom of the day? Was it the experience that you were having? What was it? You know, think back to key periods of days, weeks, months, years that you really liked. And what were the things that drove that, right? Was it that you got to sleep in to whatever time you wanted to sleep in? Was it that you sat, went to bed early and read a book? Was it that you watched five movies in the day? Was it that you went to the gym? Like, what were these activities? What were the things that you experienced on the day that really sat with you? And really dissect and think about it, right? Like, we've all had those amazing days where you go, oh, I so wish every day was that day. Some of, For some of us, that's like Christmas, you know, where you get to sit, sit down, you have like 25 people around a table, big meal, all just share platters, and you sit around and you eat for six hours. Might be your ideal day. Your ideal day might be it's raining outside, 
it's a little bit cool. You've got a big jumper on. You've got a big woolly blanket. You've got a pot of tea, a book, and two movies. Right? That's totally fine. Each to their own. This is where I want you to get really personal. Get into your own psyche about what makes you tick. What makes you really, 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 really want to recreate that day for yourself. I would spend no less than 30 minutes on this exercise. I would probably spend closer to an hour. And don't be afraid to go back and do it three or four different times. And don't be afraid to do it every 90 days. Because you're going to get something out of it every single time. Right? So sitting down and documenting some of your favorite days, some of your favorite weeks, some of your favorite months, some of your favorite years is going to help you pinpoint what were those experiences, who were you with, what was the weather like, where were you, what were you eating, what were you drinking, what were you wearing, where did you go, how long did it take, any of those things. And really understand what drove the positive about that experience. And I would then say what you want to be doing is recreating those experiences again. Right? So this is a little example, but I get back to this education thing of I absolutely love being in a workshop, putting on a workshop and or participating in a workshop when people have that aha moment where something has just clicked for them, whether we're talking about pricing, managing leads, you know, a mechanic in terms of installations, designs, planning recipes, anything, right? But particularly being able to teach somebody the way that we do things, from my experience, to just have them have that aha moment. I want more people to experience that aha moment with me. So that is how I'm setting up my time and energy in what I'm doing. Right? So what you can do in this exercise is sit down and think about these experiences dream about your ideal day, your ideal week, your ideal month, your ideal year, and really pinpoint what it is about those experiences that sits with you that creates such positive emotions, and then intentionally and proactively push your life in that direction. Craft your life. It sounds so simple, but you need to remember that you are absolutely in control of everything that you're doing. So you are in control of your version of success. Exercise number two. And this is definitely from my good friend Tim Ferriss. So he has a whole blog post. This is from his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which is something I read probably eight, seven or eight years ago. It's a bit of a game changer for my brain because it really, absolutely makes you rethink your life and makes you rethink this whole idea of having a nine to five job or this whole idea of setting up a business and having to make $85,000 a year, all of the things. It, he really questions the stereotypes and the, the commonalities and the traditions and the norms of our culture and makes you think about what it is that you really want. So he has this exercise called dream lining and the whole idea you Google dreamlining and you'll end up on his blog and he'll talk you through it. He's even got a worksheet to help you through it, the whole thing. But the whole idea of dreamlining is to actually sit down and do some research and articulate 
the money associated with things that you feel are on your bucket list. So whether you want to drive a fancy car, have a once in a lifetime experience, live in a foreign place, you know, do a crazy weird hobby, take salsa dancing, (laughs) learn photography, drive a Ferrari, own your own private jet, go hot air ballooning, move to Canada. I don't know, right? Like everybody's got these far off hopes and dreams, ambitions, weird fantasies that we all kind of go, oh, that's just a fantasy that will never happen. What Tim Ferriss asks you to do is to actually sit down and do some research and figure out how much would it cost for you to lease a Ferrari every week. Whatever it is that is in your fantasy, is in your dream, that is at the top of your bucket list, do research into figuring out how much money it would actually cost to do that. The whole point of the exercise is that you will be shocked at how achievable so many of these things are. It's outstanding, that exercise. So definitely, definitely, definitely worth Googling Dreamline. Dreamlining? Dreamline. Tim Ferriss. And he'll talk you through the whole premise. If you want to go a little bit deeper, definitely read the 4-Hour Workweek. You don't necessarily have to take it all verbatim, but it definitely makes you second-guess and question these cultural norms that we have around work and jobs and all the things, right? So I have a link to that. I will put all the links in the show notes so that you guys have them as well. And exercise numero de trois trois, um, is, and this is from Danielle Laporte, and she is a Canadian who I've only just found in the last few days, and I am now officially obsessed, 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 obsessed with her. So Danielle Laporte, in her book, The Fire, Fireside Sessions, I think it's called, which I'm not even quite through yet, but it's kind of a, another game changer, she talks you through an exercise in terms of defining your own success in instead of achieving things or owning things or experiencing things she asks how do you want to feel how do you want to feel nobody has ever asked me that question and I have never asked that question of myself and I feel like this one I just got over this past weekend and I wanted to share it with you guys Because it is a deep question. It is a very deep question. And I think it's one of the things that makes you realize how much you're allowed to change your mind over the course of a year, five years, 10 years, 15 years. All the things, right? So it's absolutely okay to change your mind. And I feel like when you think about how you want success to feel, what do you want to feel like to then be determined as successful? you realize how much more fluidity there is in that definition. So Sloan and I sat down just yesterday and did a quick 90-day planning session, trying to figure out what our priorities are and landing on and agreeing on our priorities for the next 90 days. And this is something that we do very often. And one of the things I'm realizing is I really want to set a priority of celebrating this body that I am in. I have always, always, always had really fucked up, is probably the best way to describe it, relationship with my body. And I feel like coming into my 40s, 
I want to celebrate what this body can do for me and how fortunate I am to have this body. And things that I have, I used to spend quite a bit of time doing. So I used to be like uber crazy yogi and we used to go golfing every week. And then we moved here and I kind of lost touch with some of those things and I got totally obsessed with work. And I'm really moving into this next phase of celebrating this body. So I'm saying that out loud, one, to know once I say it to the world that I have to hold myself accountable to it. And that's very helpful for me and the way my brain operates. So thank you for listening to that. But two, to also tell you guys, like we move through these phases, through these seasons, through these cycles of what becomes important to us. And you are absolutely 100% allowed to decide that work is incredibly important. You are totally allowed to explore that idea. You're also totally allowed, after you explore that idea, to change your mind and decide that family is really important or decide that friends is really important or decide that travel is really important or decide that education is really important or decide that health is really important. Whatever you want to, you're allowed to decide that that's important to you and that that is going to define your version of success in that season. I think when I was a kid, I used to... I'm sure that this was driven by television and movies, but I used to kind of watch TV shows and then be like, oh, when I live in the big fat mansion house, 26 cars and a maid and a cook and 14 kids running around, that I'll be successful. And I'm so excited to know that I'm 38 years old and I've completely changed my mind on that. (laughs) So you're allowed to do that too. Very much allowed to. Exercise number four. And this is also from... Um, Danielle Laporte, in this whole idea of journaling and sitting around as who do you see as successful? Who do you define as successful? That could be somebody you follow on Instagram. It could be your next door neighbor. It could be your mom. It could be your dad. It could be your aunt. It could be Oprah Winfrey. It could be Will Smith. could be Beyonce. could be... Who could it be? It could be anybody, right? So Danielle Laporte suggests finding eight people, eight people who you define as successful and start with a big group of eight and then narrow that down to four or five. The four or five that are on the top of your list, what are the attributes of those people that you admire the most? Right? So what are the attributes of those people that you admire the most? One of the people that's definitely on my list is Oprah Winfrey. And my friend Carla and I have loved Oprah Winfrey since Oprah Winfrey was Oprah Winfrey in Chicago and hosted her afternoon show. Love, love, love. I also love learning about how much Oprah has evolved and changed. But one of the things I admire the most about Oprah Winfrey is her integrity. Right? I think that's such an incredible attribute to have as a human being. With her integrity calls her, comes her vulnerability and her honesty and her openness. Right, So she's not the first to say she knows everything about everything. She knows how to interview people. She knows how to pull and pull out the emotion and the stories from people. But she also operates with a great deal of integrity. So that's that attribute that she has is one of the reasons that she sits on this list of mine, right? So you'll have your list of your long list of eight people, your short list of four to five people, and then start to identify the attributes of those people. Then adopt those attributes. 
and it's such a simple exercise, right? But if you pull together the primary attribute of those five people that you admire. So here's somebody else that I admire is Erin, cannot remember her last name, from Florette, right? I've taken her online course to learn all about growing and gardening and all the things because it is something that I fantasize about. I'm also addicted to education, so there you go. But in her online course, she talked a lot around her why for what she was doing. And one of the things for her is that she has taken years and years and years and years and years, lots of trial and error to get to where she's gotten to. She wants to share that with the world, right? So it's simply a matter about being able to leapfrog up to her level and in her words, past her and beyond her to build the business that you want to build. I really admire that about her right? That honesty. So again, there's lots of recurring themes in the people that I admire. So this last exercise, exercise number four is who do you admire? Who do you see as a version of successful? And from that, what attributes do they have that you can implement into your life? Right? So for very simple exercises, but will definitely get you thinking, and definitely, 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 if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, ideas, let me know. You can follow me on Instagram at littlebirdbloom. You can message me through thrivepodcast.co and the interwebs. Love hearing from you guys. And I do hope that this has been helpful. More will come next week. But if you have any questions, don't forget to ask. And I hope you have an absolutely beautiful, lovely, wonderful day. Bye for now.